series. We're about halfway through, or just a little over halfway through now, as uh, we talk about uh, what God expects for us as uh, as His children, as citizens of the kingdom. And we have our mask up up here, uh, Glitter Gills, and uh, he is doing very well as we uh, continue. He's, we're still on version two, and uh, so that's that's good. But uh, last week we uh, looked at uh, knowing God's will. And, you know, we're all interested, curious about what God's specific will for our life is. And uh, we talked about, uh, before we get into the specifics of what God wants us to do, we need to be focused on what is his revealed will. You know, and God has made his revealed will obvious. And if we make that uh, the foundation, the, the priority of our life, and uh, wanting to live out his revealed will, you're going to find that uh, when it come to, comes to God's specific will for your life, that you have a multiplicity of options to choose from. Because if it's your desire to live by God's revealed will, you know what? Your desires are going to be his desires. And God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And so God wants you to use your mind, will, and emotions in determining His specific for your life. And as the priority is His revealed will for your life, there's going to be a multitude of doors open for you as to what God would have you to do specifically in your life. And so we looked at that uh, last week. And so uh, this morning, we are going to be looking at um, the topic that when it comes to God's kingdom and entering God's kingdom, that not everybody is going to get there. And the reason why not everybody is going to get there is because not everybody wants to go there. Not everybody is interested in getting there. They're not sure they believe what God's word says. Now everybody's invited to go, but not everybody's going to get there. And you know, that's not a very popular subject today. Um... This weekend, uh, I was encouraged to go see a movie, and uh, it's a movie that uh, I didn't haven't read the book, and uh, I'm probably one of the few that haven't read the book. Uh, but the title of the book is The Shack, and um, there's been over 20 million copies of this uh, book sold around the world. This uh, book has been written in 30 uh, different languages. And so it is a hugely popular book and it's been made into a movie. And uh, and I, I want to be kind this morning. I want to be gentle because some of you have read the book and it has been, it's been very therapeutic in your life. Uh, when it comes to pain and, and suffering, uh, God has ministered to you through that book. But I... I, I and so Susan and I, we went and saw it um, uh, Friday night, 
and uh, we enjoyed parts of the movie. I mean, it was it was it was a it was a good movie. It was I think it was helpful for those who are going through uh, pain and, and suffering. But uh, you know, I walked away from the movie, and uh, it was severely lacking. And the reason why it was severely lacking is because it only portrayed God as a one-dimensional God. A God of unconditional love. The God in the movie didn't know anything about wrath. And, uh, And that is not the God of the Bible. When we see the God of the Bible, we see a God of both love and wrath. And we need God to be both. And we looked at this in Lamentations chapter 1, beginning of January. If it's not for God's wrath, church, none of us would be saved this morning. Because God poured out his wrath on his son, Jesus Christ, so that we might be delivered from our, our sin. That, the, that the, the, the wrath of God against sin, regarding sin, might be appeased through the perfect sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And we, you don't see that in, in, in the shack. And you walk away just thinking that God is this unconditional, loving God, that he's, it's a universal salvation, and he wants everybody in his kingdom. And that's not the God of the Bible. And that's not the Jesus of the New Testament. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. Because in Jesus' own own words, not everybody is going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, he's very specific on uh, how we are to get there. And so... uh, you know, I, I mention that because, you know, you walk away from that movie, and, and it's a feel-good movie. And if you don't know the Bible, you're thinking to yourself, that's the God that I want to worship. That's the God that I'm looking for. And it's just this unconditional, loving teddy bear that we create in the figment of our imagination that that's an easy God doesn't require any sacrifice uh, just makes a way available for everybody there's no self-denial you know whatever I I want is okay because God loves me just the way I am and God does love you God loves you unconditionally. But God has expectations for our lives in coming to him and not 
everybody. It's not a universal salvation and many roads lead to heaven. Absolutely not. And so as believers, we need to know our Bibles and not allow Hollywood to shape our biblical convictions of the nature and character of God. God must be both loving and just. If he wasn't, none of us would be saved uh, this morning. So Jesus tells us in Matthew uh, chapter 7 this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to begin with verse uh, 13 this morning. Uh, Jesus' war- warning um, in, in us choosing wi- wisely and ensuring that we get into God's kingdom, that we know the way to, uh, to a relationship with God. And so let's look, beginning with verse 13. Jesus shares these words. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and, e- and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. And grapes gathered from their thorn bushes or fig, are, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall, the fall of it. Jesus gives us four warnings here. And the first warning is this. If we're going to ensure um, that we have citizenship in God's kingdom, 
And the first warning is, beware the gates. There are two gates. One's very narrow, and one is very wide. One is real, and one is 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 a fake. Now, everybody wants to get to heaven, and everybody talks about heaven. And for those who talk about heaven, but they're fake, they're never going to post a sign, the road to hell. No one will listen to those teachers. Their sign says, a road to heaven. And it's a, it's a wide gate that many are passing through. But the, the gate that Jesus says is the real gate is very narrow and it is very hard. The road that is wide, the message of that gate or door is that God is your friend. And to come through this gate requires no repentance, no sacrifice, no cross. None of those things are necessary. God is a great big teddy bear. Go ahead, worship this song, but this God, but just sing the songs that talks about God's love for you because it's All about you. And that's the message of the world. Again, Jesus' message is very unpopular because Jesus says it is a narrow gate. Jesus says, I am the door. Look at John chapter 10 verse 9. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. The message of the disciples in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Peter says, salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by, by, by mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the door. Jesus didn't say he is a door or a gate, one of several gates. No, Jesus says that he is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to God but by me, Jesus says. That is not a popular message today. And the world that wants to believe in a heaven that everybody gets there, reject that message. And for many, they ask the question, what gives Jesus the right? What gives Jesus the authority to make that kind of outrageous claim? That he and he alone is the way to salvation. Maybe because 
Jesus alone died and came back from the grave. Only Jesus, of all the religious leaders, only Jesus makes a claim that he has authority over death and over life. And he proved it by coming back from the grave. This is our king. I've got a little video clip I want to share share with you that uh, of an, an interaction between uh, Lazarus and uh, his sister Mary. Let's let's watch this little video clip. Lazarus, come out! Lazarus, come out! Are you awake? Finally, my brother has risen. I was getting worried about you again. How long was I out? Don't be mad, but... What? We welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem yesterday. Mary, why didn't you wake me? I brought you back palm branches, though, to keep. Mary! I wanted to let you rest. You barely slept at all since... Life is a little different when you've been brought back to it. Maybe so, but I still need you to rest. No, sister. I need to be where he is. I know you think you need to go out and find him right at this moment. But Lazarus, I need you to take care of yourself. I can't lose you again. Tell me everything. What, what was it like? Uh, did, did he preach? Uh, did he perform miracles? Um, how many people were there? <laughs> well, there were people everywhere. Mm-hmm. He rode in on a donkey. Oh. And the road was covered in cloaks and palm branches. And everyone was shouting, Hosanna! In the highest! We must have done that for hours. I bet they could hear us all the way in Galilee. (laughs) You know, after you died, I was so mad at Jesus. At Jesus? Mary? I was dead, and now, now I'm alive. And it is only because of him. But he knew that you were to get here and in that moment I felt like you were dead because of him until I wasn't and it was in that moment Mm -hmm. that I realized that Jesus was everything we needed (laughs) everything I needed but nothing I expected yes Mary yes he did not come here riding on a triumphant horse for glory or to be allies with the powerful. He is power. He is glory. He is triumph. 
He's a king, but one that actually loves his people. He is a king that will go into death to save us, to stand in front of us, to call us out of our grave clothes, and to offer this life that only he can offer. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. He's the one. He is the king. And he's come to save us all. Authority. And our allegiance, our adoration, our worship, all that we are goes to him. Because it's because of him and him alone that we have salvation and eternal life. Jesus can, can, can make this outrageous claim because only Jesus resurrected the dead. And he himself conquered death and the grave. Jesus is the king. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not what Hollywood says. It's not what some famous author might say. It's not what your feelings say or think. It's what God's word says. I like what John Piper said. John Piper said, it's not my, my feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. And so it's very important, church, that we know the truth. We know the truth from error. Jesus says there are two gates. One is very narrow, it's very hard, and the other is very wide and very popular, and everybody's going through that. Don't go through the fake gate. Go through the Jesus gate. And you need to know what God's word says. I want to encourage you to come to a uh, a simulcast that uh, we are hosting uh, next month. Uh, it's entitled Secret Church. It's led by David Platt. Uh, maybe you've been to one of these secret church events before. But uh, it's going to be on Friday night, April 21st. It's at 6 o'clock from 6 p.m. till midnight. Yeah, six intensive hours led by uh, Dr. David Platt. And uh, I know that uh, there's some young families here. We're going to be, we have child care, but I know that it's impossible for uh, your kids to be here from 6 to midnight that night. But there is going to be a movie night for the children from 6 to 8. And uh, if you need to go home at that point, uh, Secret Church will be available uh, live streamed or you'll be able to get it online for the next 30 days following that event. If you want to go through this as a life group, uh, that would be an excellent opportunity to go through it together. But I want to encourage you to go to uh, this Secret Church event because it's going to be on the authority of the Word of God. And uh, that is the wrong slide. Is there another slide, John? Or is that the only one? Okay. 
the slide should have read, Scripture and Authority in an Age of Skepticism. This is what David is going to be going through uh, in this uh, nationwide simulcast. Actually, this is something that's going to be uh, shared all around the world. And the reason why they call it Secret Church is because uh, David has visited churches in other countries that... Um, uh, they are very serious about the word of God. And they'll gather for hours at the risk of their own life to study the word of God. And uh, he longs for the church in the United States to have that kind of passion that Christians around, around the world have for the word of God. And so he does these uh, secret church simulcasts uh, about twice a year. And they are amazing. And I want to encourage you to come to this next one because it is on the authority of Scripture and the fact that we can have um, confidence in God's Word um, in this age of skepticism. And so that's the first warning. Make sure you're going through the right gate. The second warning is Jesus shares with us that there's two kinds of prophets. Um, Jesus says that we need to be discerning of uh, who is making truth claims. Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. She says, there's a lot of pretenders out there. And when it comes to God's people, when it comes to being a Christian, we need to be discerning of teachers. Are they telling us the truth? And there's a lot of false prophets out there who have cost their followers mightily in time, in resources, and with their very lives. And we've read about them over the years. What Jesus is saying is make sure that what they are conveying matches truth. Lines up with what the word of God says. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. What kind of influence are they having on others? Does their message reflect the kingdom life of righteousness? If not, run. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruits. Now understand this. Fruit takes time to produce. You know, that, that's one of the things that I've learned with my gardening. I would say, I wouldn't say gardening skills. You know, it's, I'm not there yet. Uh, but one of the things that I discovered very quickly, that if you're going to uh, develop gardens, create gardens, you've got to have a whole lot of patience. You know, and there are some things that I've planted that I'm having to wait 
two or three years before I can enjoy uh, the benefit of uh, of of those uh, of those things that I've planted. It takes time, and so as God's people, when it comes to discerning fruit in uh, others' lives and t- of teachers. You need to be patient because there are some critics out there today who aren't very patient and they'll see uh, others, gifted teachers in the church today and because they uh, are experiencing success that they might have a large group of followers, they automatically assume that they are false prophets. And they like to hang out in their house in their pajamas behind a computer screen and blog about um, particular uh, teachers and get the church all riled up and, and they're divisive. And they have never taken the time to get to know the teacher. They've just looked at some um, quotes that maybe somebody else made and have jumped to conclusions without really diving into what this person is talking about. We need to be patient. We need to be discerning. And when when we're aware of false prophets, if their message of kingdom life, kingdom values, doesn't um, square with his righteousness, we need to run for the hills. There's two kinds of prophets, Jesus says, and you need to be aware of a false one. The third warning we see in scripture is Jesus tells us that there are two kinds of of disciples. Look at verses 21 through 23. <clears throat> I'm on the wrong chapter. 21 for chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness." There are two kinds of disciples. The real disciple and the fake disciple. And the fake disciple is going to say the same thing that the real disciple says. Lord, didn't we say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do amazing things in your name? Look at the mighty things that we did in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. For I never knew you. What's, what's going on here? That people claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ and have done mighty things. They have many followers. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. you know, we, 
There's an enemy who is very wise, very deceptive, and can duplicate many of the things that God does. And he will lead them down a road of deceit. And again, it goes back to scripture, church. We need to know the truth that we can evaluate, that we can discern truth from error. And sometimes it's hard. And yes, we need to be patient. And Jesus shares a parable in Matthew chapter 13 about the wheat and the tares. You know, and in early on, do we have that picture? Do we have a picture, John, of the wheat and the tares? You know, early on in, uh, with wheat and, and tares that are growing in the same field. You know, Jesus shares this parable about the farmer who went out to, to sow the wheat. And while the farmer was uh, sleeping at night, um, Satan came in and he, he, he casted out uh, tares. He, he, he uh, casted out weeds of, uh, seeds of, of, uh, seeds of weed. And here we had the, these tares, these tares and this wheat growing up together in the same field. And the field represents the world. And Jesus is saying, you know, both the lost and the save grow up, live together in the world. Now the disciples, they wanted to go and they wanted to pull out the tares so that just the wheat would remain. But Jesus says, no, let them both grow up together. Because in the beginning, early on, it's hard to detect a wheat from a tare because they both look the same. And Jesus says, wait until the harvest when Jesus returns and he's going to gather the wheat and he will gather the the tares to be burned in the fire. What does that mean? As God's people, we need to be patient. We need to be discerning. We need to be loving to those who are lost. But it's God... It's God who's going to pronounce judgment on the tares. And in the meantime, we need to be loving, sharing the gospel with everyone around us. And to be patient. Because the tares, in the end, will reveal themselves. You know, the difference between wheat and tare is wheat have heads of grain. Okay, there's wheat, there, there's grains of wheat in those plants. But in a tare, there is no grain of wheat. Uh, the, the tare is a lot lighter on top than is the grain of wheat. And when a grain of wheat has grown and has matured, that that grain is ready to be harvested, 
what happens to the wheat is that the wheat falls over, becomes heavy. But the difference between the wheat and the tear, the tear is very light. And the tear continues to stand up straight. Um, and that's a, that's a picture of the Christian in Christ-like humility with the, with the wheat. They're going to bow over in humility. But the, for the person who's, who's lost, who doesn't know Christ, they're full of, of pride. They're full of themselves. And they're going to stand up straight. And in the end, it's going to be easy to distinguish between the two. But in the meantime, Jesus says, don't try to eradicate the tares around you. Learn to live with them. Don't be like them. Be in the world, but not of it. But let your light shine. Don't try to get rid of them. They will ultimately show their true colors. Which brings us to the last warning. Not only do we need to pay attention to the gate and the prophets and the the doors, the uh, disciples, but finally, we need to be pay attention to the foundations. There's two kinds of foundations on which to build upon. One is the rock and one is the sand. And when you know Jesus and when you follow his word, that his word is the priority of your life, Jesus says you're going to build your life on the rock. And for those who reject the truth, who don't have a relationship with Christ, who are living um, by their own standards, by their own desires, Jesus says they are foolish and they are building their life on the sand. And Jesus says the storms are going to come. They're going to come often, and often they're going to be difficult and those storms are going to crash against both houses. And the one who has built their life on the rock, it's going to withstand the storms. It's going to withstand the test of time. And God is going to bless that individual's life but those who have been who have been caught up in in making a decision for for Christ but haven't thought through uh the cost haven't thought through the consequences they just kind of went with their emotions and made a decision for Christ how many of us have watched them fade away when the heat comes into their life when the storms have come into their life. You know, this past week, I had the privilege of having conversations with uh, two, two men, two godly men who were in their 90s. One being Gene Copeland, whose body is racked with cancer. And another, uh, George Freeman, 
who has carotid arteries in his neck and is having to make some medical decisions and neither opportunity, neither option is good. And I have sat down with both of these men and heard their story and have heard about the faithfulness of God in their lives. I've watched their wives who are very frail themselves who get around with walkers who don't like what's happening to their husbands but trust the sovereignty of God know the faithfulness of God in each of their lives. Church, they are very familiar with storms. They have gone through a lot of storms over the years. But these are two couples who have built their life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And now they come to the end of their life and they can testify God has been so faithful. I heard Shirley share with me uh, Thursday. She said, Pastor, if couples had only the ha- half the kind of marriage relationship George and I have had for these last 61 years, marriage counselors would be out of business. That is the faithfulness of God, church. That is the testimony of people who have walked through the narrow gate, who have fallen in love with his word and made his word a part of their life and have built their life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And what they're experiencing right now is painful. It's a storm that they're going to win. Because when they take their last breath here, guess what? They're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus for all eternity. They win. And this is the blessing of those who pay attention to Jesus' words. Not everyone is going to heaven. They have all been invited. Jesus loves every one of us. Jesus died for every person who's ever lived on planet Earth. God is consumed of thoughts for us. God sent his very best in the person of Jesus to die for our sin. There's nothing more God could do to prove, to show his love to us. He's done it all. But the only way that you and I can become citizens of heaven is by going through the narrow gate.
the hard way, humbling ourselves, surrendering ourselves, our lives to Jesus. That's our ticket to heaven. Do you know Jesus? Have you made that decision personally? The invitation is made available to you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for truth. And that God, that you've made a way. And that God, you did the ultimate. You did the, the hard part. You physically laid down your life for us but then supernaturally raised it up again and conquered sin and death. God, there's nothing more that you can do to show your love for us. Father, you so want every person to go to heaven. And God, you've, you laid down, Jesus, you laid down your life at the gate. People literally have to walk over you, reject you to go their own way. Lord, I pray that there's one here this morning who doesn't know the God of the Bible, that today would be the day of their salvation. Jesus, you are our rock. You are our cornerstone. You are king. You have all authority. Only you can take off the grave clothes of our lives and put on the robe of righteousness. We owe you our life. Bless this time of invitation. If there is a person here who needs prayer, who needs to talk with someone, God, I pray that they would move from their seat and go to the dining hall and share talk to one of us in the dining hall that we have the opportunity to pray with them and lead them into your presence. Bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.